1: Hello and welcome to the New European Podcast. Steve Anglesey's back from his holidays. Steve! Hello! Jerry Scott is with me too. Hello. You join us again in the bowels of New European Towers here in the library. Mm. We're going to get to our Brexiteer of the Week later on. Steve and I are also going to take a, a bit of a longer look at those incredible briefings and stories that were in the uh, in the papers. Uh, this week, but now we 're going to talk about some some of snippets from the news which we have enjoyed the past few days. Firstly, Jerry, what about that picture with David Davis and his team?
2: Oh, look, pleased as punch, didn't he? Just happy to be there, happy to be invited, happy to be involved, but woefully unprepared. <laughs> no papers on the desk.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, is that just bad? I mean, I'm, I'm sure they did have papers. Are they really thinking these things through? Uh, should someone be saying, get your papers out and put them on the desk, so they've got papers too? Yes, Exactly. I mean, <laughs> I
3: mean, it is a. We shouldn't read much into it. I think as soon no no sooner had that photo been taken than the Daily Telegraph was rushing to uh, rushing to tell us how many that how many uh, diplomats that we would sent over far more than the I think we'd sent over ninety eight people. Hadn't yes. we? So clearly, we uh, clearly we, we we have done some work. We might have brought so we might have brought some paperwork with us. It's fair to say, though, isn't it? Though that that in all of the the, the briefings from the EU side that have come out, they are talking about our lack of preparation our lack of you know that, that that everything that we've come out with appears to be the sort of starters for 10 rather than here is our, our sort of evolved position on something and for that you know david davis has got to blame himself hasn't he because david davis was one of the people who said we must have this early election it's a really good idea uh, and so therefore all of this preparation went on
1: hold for several weeks um, while uh, while that futile election was full I think also Steve just to come at you on that point I think that I'm sure we've done lots of work I'm not sure it's the preparation that they expected us to do though I'm not sure we're coming at these things on a not a level playing field but as, as equal negotiating parties I think they've got an idea about how the negotiations should work and I think maybe David Davison and his team have got a very different one.
3: Yeah, Uh, and and we seem to have been almost blindsided by this idea, which was quite clear from the start, wasn't it, that we would deal with the the rights of eu citizens in the uk uk citizens in the eu and we would deal with the divorce bill before we got on to any of the other matters and and obviously at the start of uh, at the start of, of talks david davis went into them saying that we could run all of this in parallel and then he was forced to admit that we couldn't run it all in parallel so whether we are extremely well prepared for the the the, the discussions that are to follow that would be a very
1: charitable view, wouldn't it? But maybe we are. Jerry, in the paper this week, I, I talk about not only one own goal, not putting your papers on the table, leaving after an hour. I mean, Barney said that wasn't an issue, it's not a problem, but does it send the right signal?
2: Yeah, it's not a great PR exercise, is it? I mean... It, it might be fine. There might have then been other people and I'm sure there were who stayed and kinda of did the hard work but it doesn't look great and it doesn't kind of demonstrate a massive amount of commitment. I think especially when, you know, he's gone in, I think quite cocky, um, that you can say, well, it's even more cocky to leave after an hour. It's all right, someone else will deal with it
3: the excuse was weird as well wasn't it that he was needed back in the commons and there was some labour debate that he wanted to attend and you really did think that having read all the stuff um that that had been in the in the sunday papers particularly the sunday times that you know he david davis might have thought it would be. It would do well for me to be in Westminster on that night rather than having drinks with, uh, with some
1: EU people in Brussels. But um, well, I think it was a good opportunity to duck out a cabinet. Frankly, he could have stayed. He could have been in, in Brussels for a couple of days, couldn't he? And he wouldn't have been have to get told off by the prime minister for the, a He <laughs> could have done a few museums, couldn't he? <laughs> yes, <laughs> like a little bre- Brexit break. A little, yeah. We should start offering reader travel Brexit breaks in the newspaper.
3: That, what, would you be? Would you immerse yourself in Brexit or would you avoid Brexit? <laughs> though, <laughs> uh,
1: it's the choice well,
2: you've got to make. <laughs> yes, or we
1: can offer both for the right price. A Um, weekend in Skegness. Sorry, this has turned into a marketing meeting. Would you like to
3: accompany us on a glamorous (laughs) tour of Skegness? uh, Or would you rather spend a weekend with uh, no documentation uh, around a
1: table in Brussels? I'm not sure that we are invited or indeed welcome in Skegness. Um, And Skegness is lovely, by the way, so We should all visit. Um, Gerry, the divorce bill. I was speaking to very well-respected Tory uh, backbencher this week who said stop being stupid we've got to pay the divorce bill there's no way of getting out of paying the divorce bill just pay it and get on with it.
2: Yeah, it really irritates me. Actually, it really irritates me almost personally that we keep trying to almost or some people keep trying to wiggle out of it, you know, um with Boris saying that they can go whistle it's it's in the contract. You know, You, my landlord wouldn't be happy if I turn around and so said I'm not paying my rent or I'm not paying my damage deposit when I leave. And I know it's on a much larger scale, that as but I've well. tried it, can you tell? And there's was a lot of damage. She wanted to
1: seen, Jenny wanted to see the world burn.
2: You should see her flat. They've doubled the damage deposit since then.
3: <laughs>
2: um, but I, it's just ridiculous for us to keep talking about it because it's going to have to get paid. It's not wasting time.
3: Yes. Well, it was That was particularly... You know that was, uh, in a, adi- I mean, in addition to to the, to the sort of posturing and positioning of who is going to be the the next leader of the the Conservative Party, it's interesting, isn't it, that. You know, no sooner had Boris Johnson sort of waddled around like a corpulent Lauren Bacall saying you could go and whistle and <laughs> you know how to whistle, don't you, that David Davis was the first one to say, well, actually, we are going to have to, you know, we, we are, yeah, let me clarify this, we are going to have to, there's going to be a fair settlement of the UK's rights
1: and obligations, I think was the, was the, was the phrase that he used. We're coming across, aren't we, um, Jerry, as a little bit silly,
2: I think they're coming across as arrogant, actually. I think To think that we can just walk away get exactly what we want from it and not have, uphold any of our obligations, I think is really arrogant, to be honest.
1: Well, as you can probably tell from our giddy mood here, it is the end of term, although we're not going anywhere, we'll be back uh, next week. But we should probably, in that case, um, give we should give grades out, I think. How on earth did Theresa May make it this far? In in a, to I
3: suppose to coin a Margaret Thatcher phrase, there is no alternative, is there? Mm. The alternative is uh, no one is going to um, no one is going to stomach another unelected Conservative Party leader, and in fact, that's that was one of the reasons that Theresa May gave when she caused called the the, the, the Snap election. It's very unclear, you know, that whole process for the Conservative Party would be extremely damaging. If there was an election now, they would lose it. Um, so that is how she's managed to carry on. How much longer she can carry on for is is anybody's guess. It certainly isn't going to be for another five years, is it? And I would doubt that it's going. To, she's going to see the end of the Brexit process.
1: She seems um, after the the 1922 committee meeting this week. She seems to have won over the backbenchers, Jerry. Why do you think they're they're coming out for her?
2: I think they're coming out for her because, like. Steve says there is no alternative but also because it doesn't look good does it leaks leaks about you know Philip Hammond and it doesn't you know she talked about being strong and stable we saw that she wasn't strong and stable but they've still got to try and prove that they're strong and stable going into these negotiations or it weakens our hand even more i think
1: do you think that they're getting speaking to constituents or at least are worried that the constituents just think that this westminster Plots and gossip and things—it's not something that actually turns the general public on that much. They're happy to read about it, but they actually think they'd actually prefer the politicians just to get on with their jobs.
2: Yeah, I do think the public think that, and I think they're tired of seeing not only you know infighting from both sides of the house, but infighting with Brexit, infighting on an international stage. I do think there's definitely an appetite for a let's just get on with it type situation.
1: So I'll go to both of you. I need a grade for the not for the leaders. Let's not do that. Let's do it for the parties. So, Steve, the Tories. What would you What would you give them? Well, they they took
3: an unlose. They lost an unlosable general election. <laughs> it's, they ran the worst campaign of any national party in within. I wanted to say within living memory, but maybe Labour in 1983 was marginally worse. Maybe Michael Howard might have been slightly worse. I don't know. I think, no, I mean, it, it was it's the worst conservative yes, campaign, think, isn't it? Yes, in, in, within living memory. I can say
2: my living memory. I'm, not, I'm, I'm still relatively young. Oh, she
3: keeps saying how young <laughs> she, she really is. rubs it in, doesn't she?
1: <laughs> never seen Taxi Driver. Never seen Jerry Maguire.
3: Really? Never seen. Well,
1: Jerry Scott, <laughs> age 12. <laughs> um So, come on, what's your grade? Z minus. Right, Z minus.
2: Yeah, I'll pass them, they can have a C, because they're still around, but yeah. it's uh, it's tenuous, isn't it? It's on the it's on the grade margins. I
1: think that's fair, I think that's fair, the, the fact that they managed to somehow cling on and seem to have just about, every time they seem to, to fall apart, they seem to just about pull it back together, but I think it's only a matter of time, isn't it, before... It's like
2: they, that annoying mate you have before exams, doesn't put in any work all year and still manages to just scrape through.
1: yes. A very annoying God, mate those who's people. now earning £500,000 working for the BBC. <laughs> as, the, <laughs> as, the, as
3: the secretary for exiting
1: the <laughs> European Union. Uh, Labour. Dave. what grade would you give them?
3: Well, I would say that they have exceeded all expectations.
1: But he's not nailed Brexit. He's still not nailed it.
3: Yeah. I mean, there is, the, there is a giant... Pachyderm in in the room, which no one is is uh, is is addressing uh, I, so therefore you but you still have to say a minus who would have thought that who would have thought that a they could run such a good campaign B that Jeremy Corbyn would connect with um, with so many people. Uh, see that people like all right. So people like Rebecca Long Bailey fell by the wayside. John McDonnell, I don't think, had a had a, a, a great general election. But people like Angela Rayner and Emily Thornberry really did have good general elections. Um, so um so I think it's been incredibly positive for the Labour Party there's just one small detail of their refusal to engage with the defining issue of our times but apart from that it's been really
1: good. Jerry
2: I'd give them a B. I'd give them a B because they did have a brilliant campaign, didn't they? They did have a brilliant election, but I uh, I'm disappointed with kind of what they've done since, with what they've done with it.
1: I think um, yes, Labour had a, a great election, and yes, they have come on incredibly um, in their uh, in, in, what, in their written work, mathematics, and indeed application of the sciences towards the end of the year. But um, but they've not quite nailed Brexit. I think that is. I said this last week. I think it's going to haunt them. I think it's going to. I think it, they've really got to figure out who their voter is because there's been a couple of polls this week that have have again suggested that something like 75-80% of Labour voters want to remain in the EU or at least don't want a super hard Brexit Um, and I think they've got to to figure that out and one of the problems I think in figuring that out is the hard left of the Labour Party who traditionally quite happily have a hard Brexit Um, and among the hard left is Momentum Now I I spoke to uh, Momentum last week about something unrelated, but I do get the feeling from them that they're a bit fed up of people calling them hard left (laughs) lunatics. Um, And I think there is a core that are not, you know, that have uh, that have have done a good job for Jeremy Corbyn. They've got very strong beliefs and they've put their man to front and centre and they've been very successful at doing it. But are they becoming a party within a party? And we put this question out to listeners who've given us some replies. Um, Steve Fussy, do you th- do you think it's dangerous? that They're becoming a party within a party.
3: I think, I think they. So I think their argument that there are other parties within the Labour Party prospects, people like that being one, is is completely specious because they don't have the uh, organisation, they don't have the uh, they, they, they don't have the the same kind of ambitions that Momentum have done uh have rather so i mean i think they are a party within a party i i, I do not think that their contribution to <clears throat> Labour's successes at the last general election should be underestimated no. uh and i do i also think that there there are some attempts as as you know as you as you've hinted at to to reach out to other people but i think that they there are there are, there are two sides to momentum aren't there there is one, the game changing political uh, force, which is delivering new voters to the ballot box, and, there, and then there are the, uh, the grumbling people who uh, have got a, a large list with Angela Eagle's name at the top of it, who are going to go out of their way to um, bring on deselection and unpleasantness for anyone who disagrees with them in a militant tendency style. Jerry?
2: I think i think that's definitely like steve says no, i think there's an argument that without momentum could labor have um well definitely couldn't have done as well as they did but there's a reason that the tories are almost looking to emulate what momentum have done and it's things like the momentum carpool like them um having their supporters be able to call and campaign on behalf of jeremy corbyn from home Using technology, which almost sounds like I'm speaking in the early 2000s, it's 2017, <laughs> yeah. but using technology to mobilise voters was, I think, something that we haven't seen in an election in Britain in the way that it was used by Momentum. But they do they do have this problem, they do have this reputation, this nasty streak that I think reputationally really does damage to Labour for a lot of moderates.
1: I think that I don't think that there'll ever be a ground war or an air war that'll be quite the same, actually, now that yeah. Momentum have, have reshaped mm. that. But but you're right that there is a... They, they seem to attract an angry young man, don't they? Yeah. Uh, certainly on social yeah. media. And on, on so, like talking about social media, we, we asked you, the listener, whether you thought Momentum was a party within a party. We had quite a few replies. I've just picked out a few here, and I think I can only find... One that's having a go at so that's nice. Simon James on Twitter said that it's more like a cult within a party, hell bent on destroying democracy. I think they're trying to sh- I think they're trying to shape the democracy of the party in their way. I think they would argue. Yeah, I'm sure that people prospect they're a very different prospect to prospect, but <laughs> but nonetheless, I mean they they tried. You know, you could say that the Blairites shaped the party rules and stuff and the changed... Change the common uh, ownership. Robert Derryman says, Momentum is a parasite eating out the Labour Party, which will tip us over the edge. Um, I mean, that's the Blairite view, clearly, of, of Momentum. Um, Peter Heyer, um uncontrolled viciousness, they say. I mean, I think that you, you, it would be easy to make that um, assumption of momentum from social media my engagement with them has been quite different actually I think I found them very polite when I've worked with the press office team there and and some of the more senior people so I I think that's probably a little bit unfair but then um, Comrade Joey on Twitter says none of your business a Blairite paper trying to get dirt on us no chance in hell we will govern and lock up Blair and Alistair (laughs)
2: Stay out of
1: it, then. There you go. Power to the people.
2: Stay angry. Fight Brexit. Subscribe to The New European. Your first 13 issues of The New European are only £13 when you join us and become a subscriber. Order by telephone by calling 01858 438840 and quoting Podcast One, or order online at our website www.newEuropean.co.uk. Stay angry fight brexit subscribe to the new european
1: welcome back um steve and i are going to have a little chat about what happened last weekend because it's actually quite an extraordinary extraordinary weekend if you didn't see the sunday times and frankly why not tim shipman has been on fire and all over this um, flagging government Um, now for, for some time i recommend his book all out war as well which is excellent but at the weekend, he had all these um, uh, the plots, the briefings, all the backstabbing that was going on in the uh, higher echelons of the of the Tory Party. It started, actually, of course, on Saturday with the disputed claim that Philip Hammond, the Chancellor, had, had made a, a disparaging remark about female train drivers. He, he disputes that it was ta- that he said it in quite that way. So let's take him at his word. What he doesn't deny. Was the fact that he um, said, in perhaps clumsy language, um, as, as some some cabinet sources have said, that public sector workers were overpaid. Now he says that he says he didn't say they were overpaid, and then tried to explain on Mar that mm. you know what what he actually did mean, and brought in the pensions and the um, and how the pay rises have have not matched up with the private sector. Whether you agree with his point or not, the extraordinary thing about this story, really is the fact that Cabinet Ministers are openly briefing against each other. Is this a sign of things to come, Steve? Are we, have we, is this just the beginning as we get towards a time when Theresa May is going to be pushed out of the door? Or, or do you think it's been nipped in the bud?
3: Well, there's been an attempt to nip it in the bud, hasn't it? Which which I think will be successful, but it will be a sticking plaster over this huge, festering yeah. wound, won't it? Uh, I mean, the fact is that Theresa May is a weak Prime Minister, if not a complete lame duck. Uh, you know obviously we hear that she still believes that she can turn it around that you know that that the idea that she was being pushed into staying for to bring some sense of semblance of unity to the Conservatives for a few, a few short months. I think that has evaporated as the Conservative poll ratings continue to spiral downwards, and the threat of a Labour administration looms really large. She's probably she probably is the only game in town for them for the next year or so. Um, but there is a huge division at the heart of her cabinet uh, over the issue that. You know the issue that this podcast exists uh, about the, the issue that our newspaper exists about the the issue that um, well the issue that. Some members of Momentum have said that no one is interested in this week Uh, in 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 a Twitter spat with our editor. uh, I believe it doesn't it never came up on the on the on the doorstep apparently Brexit during the election campaign, according to Matt Zarb cousins cousins. So which I find quite remarkable. Uh, On the one side, that here we have Philip Hammond who is doing all he can clearly to derail a hard Brexit or, or the, the worst possible Brexit and try and remove any threat of us just walking away without a deal, which I think we all know would be completely disastrous for British business. Uh, and, and and then those on the I mean, it is on David Davis's side, isn't it? I think, or,
1: or on the, the Davis, Gove, Johnson, yes. uh, Fox, well, Axis. I have, uh, I mean, I think Gove very much... Look to distance himself f- from this at the weekend, and yes. and, and, and uh, Shipman did on, on Monday um, say that there was no one from Gove's office. Yes, and, and I, I hear exactly the same thing. But I mean, what what goes on behind closed doors? Who knows? But I don't think anything. I don't think these leaks came from Gove. I think it was I think it was Davis. But I, th- I mean, Brexit is one issue, isn't it? And a big issue. About the difference between a hard Brexit and a soft Brexit within the cap. but there's other issues as there's other issues as well that have got Hammond in the firing line, and um, they are the you know the purse strings yeah. staying exactly um, you know f- firmly closed. Um, so they're gunning for him on two uh, issues certainly, but they're using one as a. They, you know,
3: the, the, the fundamental objective. Mean, had the, had it gone the way that Theresa May and David yes. Davis, who was a big proponent of this early election, yes. we've we've now learned. Had it gone the way that they planned, then Philip Hammond would be on the back benches by now,
1: wouldn't he? And Yes, and I don't think they'd be talking about, I don't think they'd be worrying about ending, um, you know, well, not ending austerity, but loosening no, exactly. um, purse strings. They, that's only because of the pressure that's happened. So, so you're absolutely right, in that Brexit is the overriding issue. But also, is there a third issue in that Davis and Boris, and there's no love loss there either? Yeah. Of course, this is a three way um, battle. Yeah. But they they see Hammond as a potential leader
3: yes well I think so and I think you know some there there is some but there is got there's got to be a somebody on the Tory left and it seems quite hard to to describe Philip Hammond as being on the left of of anything is is clearly going to put up in uh, in whatever vote follows you know the the demise of Theresa May um, and People are jockeying to, to, to knock him down. I mean, I think Philip Hammond's fairly tainted by um, the, the, the events of the last few months in any case. But then, in a, you know, in the same way Boris Johnson is... Yeah, is I mean, that's the thing. There's no tainted. clean
1: skin there, is there? I, H- H- Hammond... You see, I think that Hammond could be a bit of a... Not a dark horse, but I think he's in with a chance because I think as a as a softer... Brexiteer, if there is such a thing. I think a lot of people within the party, uh, you know, there's a lot of Tory remainers still, you know, and and a majority of them, in fact, so he might be their candidate. Yes, he might. Uh, He might be thinking about winning that internal election more than winning the the public over to start with. And of course, this quick David Davis says he doesn't want to be leader. A source told me earlier on in the end of last week, I think actually before this happened, that actually that's not strictly speaking true he'd quite like a little go you know he'd quite well, like I a little would, go <laughs> yeah he would like
3: i'm sure he would like a little go i mean david you know depending on what you read this week david davis either wants to be the leader or he wants
1: to retire at the end of well what, 2018 was, or 2019 how it was said to me was that he believes that the uh, that he um, his role in with regarding brexit negotiations um you know and the role of prime minister is so so close and so intertwined now that it seems you might as well be yeah yeah. and I think that I think he's probably got a fair argument frankly there but um but it'd just be a shame that it'd be him doing the job well it would be yeah that's it does I mean
3: it does it's a fast that is a fascinating point and it does call into question really what Theresa May's role is in in all of this because you know as we've seen from the from the Queen's speech the next two years Providing they last that long, and this this uh, this you know machine of infighting doesn't completely uh, roll itself over a cliff. Um, The the business of Parliament, the business of the Conservative Party, is completely completely occupied by by Brexit. So it's it's hard to see really what else there is to occupy Theresa May's time. Yeah, Uh, apart from you know apart from. Uh, as we've seen at, at Prime Minister's last Prime Minister's Questions before the recess today, uh, of of going back on the attack against a tax and spend Labour Party, which, yeah. which I think is, is is probably an issue that you know I think that is probably a line that is overworked now and and, uh, and isn't isn't really going to work for her anymore.
1: Although her ratings are up this week and Jeremy Corbyn's are down, yeah, um, in one poll. But I mean, who knows? We'll see. I mean, the summer will. Uh, this, I mean, Jeremy's going to be out there in the summer. We'll see a lot of him this summer, I think, unless and, and summer But anyway,
3: festivals, festivals, street corners,
1: all that. Yeah, he's doing. that. mean, on soap boxes. He's got. He's, he's got his difficult second album out in the autumn. He's promoting it through the festivals. Uh, this it is. Summer.
3: I mean, it is fascinating, isn't it? You know, twelve, thirteen weeks ago, whenever it was, when the election was called. Look at the, the, the look at the difference between Jeremy Corbyn's ratings and Theresa May's ratings. Now, it is it? I suppose from that, it is entirely possible that in thirteen, fourteen weeks, you know, as we go into winter, and the, 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 you know, the May bot may be gleaming again, and we may all be craving a strong and sta- strong and stable leadership. But I'm, I'm very much down. To it. Yes,
1: and I think the Tories have had it with her anyway. I yeah. mean, um, you know, as we've uh, as we've touched on previously, but. I think she she clings on for now. But just getting back to the point about Davis and whether he wants to be leader or not, he I think the suggestion is that he'd like to see it through Brexit. I think he wants it easy. He don't want to take, he don't want to go in front of the public and ask him to vote for him. He wants no. the leadership, and he wants to go through Brexit, and then he wants to hand over to someone else. Which is f- fairly craven, really, isn't it? it is, yeah. but, he's over- but the guy's full of confidence. He thinks he can make a success of this shambles, you know, this this shitstorm. He thinks he can make success of it and have a legacy. Of- it, it is. Uh, th- he's dreaming about statues that he is, they are yeah, erecting yeah, yeah. in his honour in Parliament Square, and he
3: is. I mean, there is something. That is almost endearing about David Davis's <laughs> bumbling appearances. Whether it is being, whether he is stumbling into a select committee and, and cheerfully answering, "Well, I don't know the answer to that," when he's pressed on details of how much this. You know, element of Brexit is going to cost, or whether he's lured into a room uh, where he and a couple of oppos are um, are, are faced with uh, Barnier and and his oppos, who have each got huge documentation in front of them, and David Davis has, has got a box with his sandwiches in under the desk. <laughs> um, he, 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 you know, He
1: the, the, didn't the, actually stay for lunch, did he? So. He didn't know. Well, anyway, we that's, that that's why he brought his <laughs> sandwiches. You know, but.
3: But the, 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 the element of bluster with him and his, his sort of confident grin um, suggests to me, yeah, it suggests to me a man who thinks he's destined for greatness, whereas he probably is destined for, you know, the knackers yard, isn't he?
1: Perhaps. Brexiteer of the Week. Welcome back, and it is now time to pick our Brexiteer of the Week. Steve, we've missed you. Tell us, um, tell us what we've missed this week. Uh, some
3: outstanding examples of stupidity among the Brexiteers. Uh, let's start with Andrew Bridgen. So when Lord Adonis, who is a, a government advisor, uh, compared hard Brexit to the British appeasement of Hitler uh, last week, a lot of Brexiteers among the Tories especially popped up to say how disgraceful it was. Uh, and the theme was that you should never use the Führer as a yardstick when sort of comparing things, and uh, I particularly liked uh, uh, Andrew Bridgen's comment then, Uh, he's the MP for North West uh, Leicestershire, Uh, he said that you should never compare anything to Hitler, and that Lord Adonis clearly doesn't believe in democracy just like Hitler, (laughs) that's uh, Andrew Bridgen there, Uh, We've talked earlier on about the photo of uh, David Davis, Fraser Nelson who is a uh, columnist for the Daily Telegraph. He's also uh, the editor of the Fine Spectator uh, magazine. He has now deleted his tweet in which he said of that picture the picture sums it up the tables are groaning with the weight of pointless EU paperwork when just the basic facts are needed and it symbolises what we won't miss about the EU and I I thought that was a particularly incredible uh, take on that I just imagine how Fraser Nelson might have greeted the appearance of the emperor in the Hans Christian Andersen tale Uh, a refreshing take on fashion the emperor has eschewed the weight of pointless genital covering and protection against the cold and it symbolizes what we won't miss about fashion Uh, a remarkable work from Fraser Nelson there the number one stupid Brexiteer of the week is John Rees Evans. Uh, he is one of the candidates to become captain of the Titanic or, as it's known, uh, the leader of UKIP. Uh, he, uh, he's launched, he's launched a, a campaign website. It's got six pledges. Number four on those pledges is that I am going to defend our ancient constitution. Number three on those pledges Says it's time for us to reboot our ancient constitution. (laughs) Now, I don't really know how that stacks up. It seems a bit churlish to say that we don't actually have an ancient constitution to begin with, just a sort of series of laws and precedents and conventions. But let's let's you know, let's just go with this. Uh, I don't know what else has John Reese Evans got up his sleeve. Well, he says that um, he's going to launch a new social. Uh, network for uh, UKIP, uh, which is quite interesting. He also says, uh, he said on Twitter this week that multiculturalism, this is a quote, multiculturalism equals apartheid. So maybe his new social media network could be called Racebook uh, or something, or Swipe Alt Right, I don't know, something <laughs> like that. Obviously, all of this is quite sensible next to what John Reese Evans said in 2014. Uh, he was called on then to uh, to denounce uh, the words of a woman called Julia Gasper, who was then the head of Oxford UKIP, uh, and she had said that some homosexuals would rather have sex with animals than other homosexuals. Um, uh, and uh, at the time, John Reese Evans replied, I have witnessed that. I've got a horse. A donkey came up to my horse, which is a stallion. A donkey came up. Which was male and I'm afraid the donkey tried to rape my horse. My horse bit the side of the donkey and I had to give my horse a slap to protect the donkey. So John Reece Evans there. I mean if anyone can follow Paul Nuttall, it is this
1: guy. He is the
3: Brexiteer of the Week.
1: He he what a star. Can can I the social media network, will that have a dating app, do you think, with it? I would hope so. Yeah. Because maybe, maybe that would solve the the donkey horse problem. Yes, exactly. If donkeys could... UKIP pets dating <laughs> section on on the app is what's needed. John, if you're listening, I'm sure you are. That is that is what will win you this race. You can race. have that
3: one for nothing, John.
1: <laughs> can I just point one other thing out, Steve? There's no Nigel Farage in this uh, list. There
3: isn't, no, but Nigel Farage remains...
1: that was the new european podcast thank you very much for listening if you enjoyed it subscribe leave a review and of course go and buy the newspaper we're newly in tabloid we're looking better than ever there is more stuff in there than there ever has been before so please do go and buy a copy of the paper there's tons of exclusive content as well on our website www.theneweuropean.co.uk i am off for some warm prosecco (laughs) nice smell so we're, we're all very jolly amongst these old newspapers um, and we're going deliver- <laughs> f- to
0: hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget check out quince they've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands and the best part